All right, Mark chapter number four, Mark four, and we'll be going in, getting into Mark five as well tonight. And I hope everyone's had a good day in the Lord. Appreciate the services this morning and God's grace. I am skipping a couple of parables uh, in this chapter. Uh, the parable of the burning lamp, the parable of the mustard seed. And the reason is, is because um, probably a year ago, I taught on the parables. And so uh, this that ground has been covered. So uh, just to not cover it again, we, we're going to move forward a little bit into Mark 5. And uh, I actually preached on this not long or I'm Mark four, but I, I just did such a good story. I want to just hit it before I get into Mark five. We come to Mark four, and as we do, we start in verse thirty-five. This is the uh, this is the the text of Jesus uh, calming the storm. Of course, there were two two different situations. Uh, one, he you know he proclaimed for the peace to be still, for the storm to be calm. That That is this one. But there was another one, and uh, in my message I preached on that one as well, uh, where he came walking on the sea with Peter. So two different storm accounts that we see in Scripture. And um, so we're just going to hit this one quickly and, and move right along just, just based on the fact that I've I've preached on it uh, very recently, and so let's jump right in, jump right in to the Word of God, Mark chapter number 4, verse 35, in the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over on the other side, I, I love that, uh, a couple of things there, he says, let us, meaning, I am, I'm going with you, and he tells them that we're getting to the other side. We're going to get there, okay? Now, <clears throat> moving from there, they don't know what's ahead of them. They don't know that the storm is coming. They don't know what they're going to face, but that ought to be enough, the fact that Jesus is saying, I'm going with you. I'm including myself in this. I I know in, in a, a message I preach from here, uh, it's, I note that if this were most, uh, church members, most Bible believers, most people, uh, where Jesus doesn't give a clear cut command, he just basically says, let us, uh, it, it's almost in suggestion form. Folks would argue with that and say, ah, well, you're not giving a command, you know, let's, let's just pass by. And... You know, I, I'll see people, I, the reason I, I say that is pertinent because people act and react to the Word of God in their lives in that same way. They say, well, it's not a commandment. It's not a Ten Commandment. It's not in red. Well, but it's in the Word of God, okay? Uh, Paul said that, not Jesus. You know, you get all kinds of all kinds of stuff. But Jesus says, let us pass over unto the other side. We're, we're going to the other side, and I'm going with you. 
And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. So there's others around. And there arose a great storm of wind out of nowhere. You remember me preaching on this? This storm comes out of nowhere. This would be the Sea of Galilee. And Mount Hermon is a mountain that um, that is just just beyond and what would happen is that, that Mount Hermon was so high that there would be snow on it all year long. And then you had the warm air down there by the Sea of Galilee. And the two would clash, uh, the, war- the cold air coming off of Mount Hermon and the, the warm air down by the seaside. As the two clashed, it would, it would produce extremely violent storms. And uh, we've seen some this week. And and that's what happens, you know, the cool air and the warm air clash, and you see see horrendous storms. What does that got to do with us? It's the fact that out of nowhere sometimes we can see storms arise when pressure mounts, and God has already determined, Jesus has already said, let us pass on to the other side. We're going together, and we're going to get there. I cannot emphasize and illustrate that enough. And uh, the scriptures, the scriptures as we look at this, verse number 37, There's uh, there was a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. So a great storm has arose. It's coming into um, the, uh, the ship and uh, as we look here, let's let's continue to read. He was in the hinder part of the the ship, asleep on a pillow. Um, so, uh, as as we look at this, the Bible says here they t- or verse number thirty seven. I'm sorry. There arose a great storm of wind. The waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him. And they say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? So they they get aggravated at the Lord. They they say, Look, we do, do you not care that we perish? Don't you care that we're going through this storm? And he arose and he rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. All right, I, I, I wanted to cover that because it's such a great story. Great story. But now let's go into Mark chapter 5. Mark 5. And, and also it ties us in to where we're going in Mark 5. So they're by the sea. Okay, we know that. We... Uh, have um, they've already established? Or, or they, they're by the sea. We, we've seen that. That's part of reading this story. And um, let's let's go to Mark five. And as we go to Mark five, we get into another one of my favorite accounts in Scripture. They came over to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. Um. So this is called the land of Gadara, okay? And uh, they're on the other side. They got there just as Jesus told them that they would get there, okay? 
They're on the other side of the sea. And as they do, he was come out of the ship. Immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. So um, I, this is fascinating. A couple things, several things I want to talk about in uh, teaching this and in talking about this, okay? And that is the fact that when Jesus begins to operate and Jesus begins to move, it stirs the devil up. Don't forget that. Please don't ever forget that. When you see uh, the devil cropping up, you see the devil fighting, you see the devil raising a stink and causing a scene, just understand that that's his job. That's his role, his duty, if you please. That's his objective. It's what he's always done. When Jesus begins to to do his work and to manifest his good, that Satan's always going to fight. He's He has fought goodness from the beginning, and and he's he's always going to fight goodness. And so that's what we see immediately. Jesus has done great work, and it's a stirring up of the devil. The devil begins to stir in, in this. Now, the thing about this, though, is this young man wants help. So therein lies a great struggle. Now, something that you read in the Bible is that during the days of Jesus' ministry, okay, you see an uptick in demon possessions, devil possessions. You see an uptick in, in Satan fighting. Why? Because he knows this Messiah is on the scene. He knows Jesus is the one. He, he's already faced him on the Mount of Temptation. He, he's... he's he knows the promise of God in Genesis 3 and 15 when God told him that he, he you shall you shall crush his heel, but he's going to crush your head. You shall bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Okay? So now his time's here. His time's short. And so Jesus the Messiah is on the, uh, on the scene. He's going to die on the cross. And so he begins to make every effort that he can to do the destruction that he desires to do. And you also have to understand that it was a time when people give place to the devil. Okay? Um, there was a lot of pagan beliefs, a lot of pagan religions, pagan teachings uh, during this time. And as, as well, you had... Of course, you had the Jewish teaching and, uh, you, you know, the belief in the, in the Messianic God, the one God. But Jesus is now on the scene. And so you, you do have a lot of solid Bible belief, uh, up the Bible up until this point. But you had a tremendous amount of paganism and idolatry. Well, with paganism and idolatry, that does nothing but give place to the devil. And the Bible tells us not to give place to the devil. And yet, um, we, 
you know, you, you see things playing like Ouija boards and movies. I, I don't even watch devil movies. I just, I don't want to give uh, an opportunity or a place for him to do his fighting and his will. And so that's what's happening. You see a lot of possessions in the Bible. Now, I do want to say this. There's no exorcisms. I know the Roman Catholic institution have made famous exorcisms. There's no exorcisms that you see in the scriptures. You see Jesus casting out devils. Um, that's, that's Jesus himself, but no exorcism with holy water and crucifixes and, and, and religious medallions and such the like. You don't see that in the scriptures. That is totally a concoction of mankind in the Roman Catholic institution. Now, nevertheless, he comes running up to Jesus. Now watch this. Bible says here, um, when he was come out of the ship, immediately there made him uh, with the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. And uh, it shows that the power that Satan has over this man. Who was who had his dwelling among the tombs? So he's living among the dead. You see that? He's, he's living among the tombs. He likes the dead. He's hanging around the dead. He is communicating with the dead. Again, I'm not teaching and talking and dressing about uh, Ouija boards. uh, But the fact is, uh, any kind of playing around with that, it's absolutely the truth. Playing around with the dead is demonic. Okay? Playing around with the dead is demonic because when our bodies when we're to be absent from the body we're to be present with the Lord okay and the, the so this man that is filled with the devil he is overcome with the devil is dwelling among the tombs now watch no man could bind him no not with chains so he's got superhuman strength He's, he's got a strength that is beyond men. Not only beyond men, but he's got a strength that is beyond even the ability of the chains to bind him and to hold him. Now, let's, it's, it gets better. Get, or better, I'd say better. God help. It gets worse. Now, watch. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broke in pieces... Neither could any man tame him. Verse 5, And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Do you see that in your Bible? Folks, to cut oneself, to harm oneself, to injure oneself, is demonic. It is something that the devil has, has made this man do, has has encapsulated this man to do. Now, I'm, I'm not making this up myself. This is what the Bible is teaching. It was read that this, this uh, sick, devil-possessed individual that just shot these children up in Texas had sliced his face with razors 
sliced his cheeks, I think it was. That is, that is something that the devil motivates people to do. God does not teach you to harm. The Bible, the Word of God says, no, you're not. If you're saved, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Do not defile the temple or harm the temple. So the Bible is very explicitly clear in the fact that we should take care of our bodies, not harm and injure it and cut it. So if one is doing that, that is being motivated by Satan. It's being motivated by the devil. And this, so we, we, you know, we blame what happened in Texas on, on guns and on uh, you, you, everything. But the reality is, it is, is an operative and it is a motivation of Satan himself. He, it's plain, it's clear, he had been cutting himself. And right here, this man around the tombs, dead, has been cutting himself. He's been harming himself. It's not a quote-unquote psychological problem. It is a spiritual problem. It is Satan that is making folks do this. It is Satan that is motivating people to do this. Giving them the understanding of their, you know, or, or, or bringing them to the place that they think that they're, they're no good. They want to inflict harm upon themselves. Suicide. Suicide. Suicide is motivated by Satan to do harm to oneself. So let's go further. Bible says here, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. There's a struggle. There's a battle. And he sees Jesus coming and the only one that can give him deliverance over what is going on in his life is on the scene. Jesus, the chains couldn't hold him. No man could bind him. That is psychology, that is sociology, that is, that is finances. Uh, no matter what man gives or does, they could not help him. There's only one that could help him out of this situation, and he is now on the scene, and when the man sees him, the young man sees him, he runs, and he goes to Jesus, and immediately he tries to worship him. Immediately. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Now, I, I question you this. Religious people doubted that he was the Word of God. Religious people said he is not the Son of God. Religious people hated him for being the Son of God and said, You're not the Son of God. You're not deity. You're not God. But this man that is possessed of the devil knows exactly who Jesus is. Why? Because Satan knows that Jesus is the Son of God. He's acknowledging what the religious crowd won't acknowledge. Further, let's, let's stay in our Bibles, just teaching you the Word of God. I'm enjoying this. It's a good lesson. He says, Torment me not. He doesn't want Jesus to hurt him, for he had said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Jesus doesn't say in the name of God, because he is God. 
He tells him to come out of the man. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Folks, a Roman legion is 6,000 soldiers. The demons used here is, is the word to show that this man was completely possessed of the devil. There is 6,000 demons that have possessed this man. It gives me chills to even almost talk about it. And to think that 6,000 devils have possessed this man. And we play religious games. And we fight over carpet. And we fight over who the preacher's going to be. And we fight over the music. And we fight over the, the, the menu at the, at the next function. And we fight over who's going to be on this committee. And we fight over church constitution. And we fight, we fight over the silliest mess... When there's people out there completely encapsulated and inhabited by demons up to 6,000 according to what we see here. 6,000 demons have inhabited this poor man. And he asked them, what is thy name? They said, Legion, for we are many. And he besought them that he would not send them out of the country. He wanted to stay in Gadara. Now... There were nine to the mountains, a great herd of swine feeding, that's pigs, and all the devils besought him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter therein, into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. I have, I have, Personally, I've not seen this, not in a long time, but uh, maybe when I was a kid. Let me refrain that. When I was a kid, I haven't seen it in a long time. Probably a good reason for that, just because of the spiritual nature of today. Has anyone ever heard of a dog having a fit or an animal having a fit? Distemper? An animal just going crazy? Have you? What is that? Well, we see right here that the devils went into this swine. They went into these pigs. And I believe with all my heart that when you see that type of thing go on, that it is Satan inhabiting those animals or demons inhabiting those animals. Now watch this. Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. The unclean spirits went out, entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And there were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. As an old preacher I used to know said, they committed suicide. It's a terrible joke, but I've said it probably every single time I've been in this passage. And they that fed the swine fled, now here, here we get it. We're, we're finishing it forward. We're finishing it uh, in verse number twenty. So fourteen through twenty. You got to get this. This is the second part of this. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. So you got people out there feeding the swine, and they're telling all about it. They're expressing it abroad. Jesus just did something 
no man could do, no chain could do. And they come to Jesus and see that he was possessed with the devil and the legion sitting in clothed and in his right mind. So he's got his clothes on now. How about that? He's no longer naked, no longer cutting himself. And he's sitting by or sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were scared. It, it made them afraid. Ridiculous. And they saw it, told how it befell him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. When he was coming to the ship that had been possessed with the devil, prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith, Go home to thy friends and tell them great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. Now, a couple things I want to talk about here. They were angry at Jesus for saving this man. They were angry that the swine are now inhabited by Satan and dead. They were more upset at their business loss, the swine, than they were happy that this man's no longer possessed. And they were so angry they didn't want Jesus there. Well, the man comes and he says, look, I want to go with you. When they said, Jesus, we don't want you around here anymore, the man says, I, I want to go with you. Jesus says, you can't go with me, but I want you to go back and I want you to be a testimony and a witness to that city. Now, here's something to consider that's very sobering. It's never recorded in Scripture. Jesus only had a three and a half year ministry. It's never recorded in Scripture where Jesus passed through Gadara again. Why? They had their shot and they didn't want anything to do with him. They had their chance and they didn't want anything to do with Jesus. They were more more concerned with, with their finances, their financial gain, their prosperity, their lives individually than they were in serving and loving and living for Jesus Christ. They said, get out of here. We don't want you around. So Jesus complied. He's a gentleman. He, they did, he, did, he, he, he went with exactly what they requested him to do. He never come to their coast again. Now that's sobering enough. But you remember what he told the man that had been possessed with the devil? You go back to where you're from and you be a witness. You tell the great things the Lord has done for you. So from now on, these people will never have an opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus, yet they have a living witness among them that used to be wild, used to be devil-possessed, used to cut himself, used to live among the tombs, used to lay around naked, and now he doesn't do any of that anymore. He's in his right mind, and he's telling them that every day and reminding them of that every day. Can I tell you that there are people that are witnesses to cities, there are preachers that are preachers to people in churches, that are proclaiming the truth and Jesus won't pass by, not because of the witness. And there's a lot of preachers that beat themselves up 
every week because they don't see people saved, their lives changed, what have you, when that's not what they're even there for. They are there planted by God to be a witness and a voice in that place and a reminder to people that didn't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. That's right. So a preacher should never beat himself up because he doesn't see results that he thinks are true results. He could be there just as a result of Jesus Christ putting him there to be a witness and a testimony against people not wanting anything to do with God. And that because that's right here in the situation. These people wanted nothing to do with Jesus. They asked him to leave their coast and he complied with them. The man wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus said, no, you stay here and you keep reminding them of everything they could have had, everything they could have been, everything I could have done, and they didn't want it. May we always be thankful when Jesus passes by and may we want him to be with us and to stay with us. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of Mark the opening part of Mark chapter number 5, when Jesus passed by the man of Gadara. Good night, God bless, and I love you all.